Section 22 of The Progressive Woman, Volume 7, Number 75, October 1913. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Legal and Actual Status of Women Jessamine S. Fishback Campaigns of education and enlightenment have done much to break down the barriers against women in the professions and to unify all classes of women in a spirit of common defense. The women of Texas alone, and the women of Illinois alone, have done more public work in the last decade than was ever done by women in all the preceding years. The legal status of women in Arkansas, Louisiana, the District of Columbia, and New York has been improved a hundred percent, and yet all over the land the class of women to whom the world owes the most are taxed without representation. Taxed for property and petty pelf, and that is bad enough, but taxed far more severely in strength and labor and in thought power to make ends meet. To obey the laws, good or bad, the people of leisure and means and ease choose to make for any purpose or for no purpose at all, except to pass away their time at the public's expense. The fictions of law that came down to us from the days of William the Conqueror, the heresy of woman's legal disability as not a scriptural origin, as I find many believe, are so interwoven into our national life that much more than remedial statutes will be required to free us from our heritage of blindness. The commonwealth that provides wives and mothers no more than their board and clothes, or the right to sue their husbands, or wait till they die to get an equitable right in their husband's property, has betrayed its most sacred trust. When the doctrine of the state's protective policy is prostituted to selfish interests, the government has forfeited its last claim upon the allegiance of the individual. In the enjoyment of their own rights, men are not leaving themselves the necessity of going into court to prove who they are and why they are so entitled. To interests that prey upon woman's helplessness, remedial statutes will always be necessary evils. Thousands of worthy and able women are living to no purpose and dying martyrs to selfishness because they will not go into litigation to get their rights. It was the intent of those who organized this ponderous piece of statecraft to form a more perfect union, to provide for the common defense and to ensure the domestic tranquility, that the courts as depositories of the aggregate wisdom of the people should act as arbiters where individuals failed to agree. But the power of these tribunals has been so misused that they are generally considered only in the light of their essentially punitive quality and after the husband or wife has hailed the other thither, they are not apt to find tranquility again in domestic life with each other. Women with self-respect enough and strength of character enough to desire a voice in the conditions under which their children must live need to be awakened to the benefits of affiliating with a political organization that allows them their own, instead of merely the right, without the means, to fight for their own. It is usual to mistake sentiment for sense and sensuality for wifely virtue. But I tell you a certain truth. Women are considered according to their worth, economically, industrially, and financially, as well as physically. Only the added power of the franchise can give them an equal value with men in the regulation of affairs. Any added power can result only in added influence that will surely bring consideration, respect, and honor in its train. Too much power has always led to the abuse of power, and man evidences his kinship to the original serpent 
and the sophistries he employs to keep the dominance of public and private affairs. A member of the Arkansas legislator wrote me last February, I honor and reverence women as the greatest work of the omnipotent. I look upon the home as the greatest institution upon earth. Women do more good in the home than men can possibly do in public life. No man ever accomplished great things or became great without the aid of a good, true, and loving woman. Therefore I look with horror upon a measure calculated to destroy the home influence of the dearest creatures upon earth. As a rule, the women who take an interest in the affairs of men publicly have the most unhappy homes, while those who are content to exercise their influence through their husbands, fathers, or brothers have happy homes. For these reasons I cannot support your measure to permit women to practice law. Parentheses. Signed. Close parentheses. Pray for the objects of this man's honor and reverence. He mistakes right for remedy in his attempted adjudication. Naturally, those who feel most acutely the indignity of living outside the pale of accredited citizenship are leading the effort to amend conditions, but they have intellects that do not leave them resourceless. Most of them have far happier homes than the great army of negatively virtuous wives, whose lives are one long hopeless monotonous struggle to obey their husband and escape hell. To ensure domestic tranquility, we need women in every department of government, and when we have them, the family will be God's unite, socially and communistically. The bread will not be taxed out of the children's mouths in the name of government. Women will not be driven to the streets or to charity for the want of a place in the world's work. As we should, we will pay a reasonable levy to provide for the common weal instead of the poor majority paying to swell the blessings of the rich minority. May God and good women hasten the day. End of section 22